You all right? Digging his back. Oh, that was my opening. That was your opening? <laughs> yes. Let's go to snore. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Do it again. Uh, no, I fucking nailed it in one take. <laughs> You're listening to the Dare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and while I was winning championships, I was losing something more important. With me, as always, you know him as the Scare Master, the Dare Master, the Travel Tem Master, Daniel Barnes. The City Lights Master, baby. Hi, everyone. On this show... Under the City Lights, we do Yo Mama. We also do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine. And then we review and rate them on our unique, sensual system. A run-of-the-mill bad film is rated a dare. We give a double dare to those truly atrocious movies. And we reserve the reverse dare, the hollowed, respected. Everyone respects it. Reverse dare for a despised movie that is actually pretty good. All right. So if you're unfamiliar with the podcast, you're pretty fucking confused by now. But let me just tell you what we do on this podcast. Today on the podcast, we're closing the door on our Trivial Timber 2020 with a review of the 2018 direct-to-streaming dud, Speed Kills. We're also going to read some movie dares sent in by our listeners. And before we get started, just hold on. Before we get there, we're going to crack some beers and tell you which ones they are. I, Corky, am drinking a beer by Moxa, who I've had many times uh, on the show, before the show, during the show. I'm having a Hoppy Pilsner by Moxa Brewing. They're out of Rockland. Okay, okay, here you go. Hoppy Pilsner. It's got Nelson hops. It's got Rewaka hops. It's got Motueka hops. It's got Pacific Sunrise hops. It's 5% alcohol. It's hoppy, but it's not too hoppy. It's not IPA hoppy, Mm. Um, but it has that lightness that you want from a Pilsner, from a real lager. Fantastic job, as always, by Moxie Brewing, one of the best breweries in this fine state of California. I like to match my beers to the movies as much as I can, so I'm drinking an Almanac Beer Company Barrel-Aged Hypernova Volume 4. Nice. This is a sour beer. I don't normally dip into the sours. This is a sour beer. You're dipping, uh, and uh, if I'm correct, you're also dabbing. You're dipping and dabbing. Dipping and dabbing. Ripping and running. Grinning and grabbing. Peaches, nectarines, cherries. A little bit of lactose is in this thing. It's tart. It's not too tart. It's got wood. It's got a woody finish. Sure. Got, it's barrel aged, of course. Good beer from Almanac. Yeah, they have their uh, facility there in Alameda, California. I think they're still open. Um, so go and check them out. Dares. You got them. We read them. That, I mean, what else do you need from me? Your name. It's Matt. This is Matt Vampire Academy, Matt. Oh, this is Mike. Just to watch. This is this fuck. Is, the guy. is this Mike? <laughs> How the fuck did I do this again? No, no. His name is Matt, but for a year you were calling him Mike. Let's just say it's disputed. Let's sure. just say we we haven't made a call either way yet. Okay, it's leaning. It's leaning, Matt. It's uh, honestly, it's leading Matt. But with two Mike, out of two precincts reporting, Mike we're still, still disputing. Has a pathway to victory. It's just, <laughs> it's, and that's disturbing. Honestly, that's upsetting. But Matt of Vampire Academy uh, or fame, what do you have for us? He's got shrunken heads. Shrunken heads. What? Nineteen ninety four. It's directed by Richard Elfman. We know Richard Elfman, of course, from Forbidden Zone. Yes, movie we also do. written by Matthew Bright who we know from Forbidden Zone, stars your favorites, Julius Harris and Meg Foster. Why, Matt, slash Mike, we're not calling it, we're not, we're not just not, we're not, man, we're not ready to make a call just yet on this one, just yet. Matt or Mike, 
Who knows? This could go to the Supreme Court. We'll see. Hi, says TBD. Recently, I listened to your episode on Richard Elfman's Forbidden Zone. Your description of the Kipper kids, Corky, this is yours, as two bald middle-aged men with excess body hair doing performance art, made me realize that there's a whole new career path open to me, but that bash, Matt slash Mike, FTW. Dan, I was describing us when I <laughs> talked about two middle-aged men with excess body hair doing performance art. Matthew Bright, who stars in Forbidden Zone, wrote the script for two other Elfman films, Shrunken Heads and Modern Vampires. Both films have jarring tonal inconsistencies and contain an abundance of really questionable choices, much like this podcast. Bright's career seems to have stalled in recent years, and there is some circumstantial evidence on the internet, so I believe it, that Bright and Richard Elfman have had a falling out since their film collaborations. For Daniel, with his journalistic background and sources, yeah, I got sources. I got highly placed sources. Just saying sources makes it sound like it's incon- uh, it's inconsequentials. Highly placed sources deep in the administration. Kwama, this might be an interesting and possibly worthwhile issue to look into. By the way, apologies again for making you sit through Vampire Academy. Matt slash Mike, uh, apology not accepted. I'm accepting the apology. I but Hey, listen, I am the most magnanimous person true. you will ever meet in your life. I will forgive anyone for anything. It's true. But not this. Not this and not you, Matt slash Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, IODB synopsis of Shrunken Heads when three New York kids are murdered. The local Haitian voodoo priest reanimates their shrunken heads to exact revenge. Complications arise, okay, between one of the heads and his <laughs> former girlfriend. Uh, thank you, Matt slash Mike. We TBD for the dare. Our next dare is from David Harlan. David Harlan dares us the movie Things from 1989. This is a movie that is shot all on video, directed by Andrew Jordan, stars Barry J. Gillis, Bruce Roach, and porn star Amber Lynn. Why did David dare us things? Because you asked for it, tough guys. All right, fucking settle, take it down a notch. The IMDb synopsis for things. An impotent husband, driven by a fanatical desire to father children, forces his wife to undergo a dangerous experiment. The result? The birth of a multitude of monstrous things. Dan, you seen things? I, I haven't seen things. I don't know things. I am not aware of things. I've heard things. I've heard things. I've heard things. I've heard things. You you give me all these answers, Daniel, but you don't give me the right answers. Things and shrunken heads. There's there's a bit there somewhere. I'm sure. Thank you so much, David Harlan, for the dare. Thank you, tough guy. And now our feature presentation: Speed Kills. The IMDb synopsis for Speed Kills: A speedboat racing champion and multimillionaire. Ben Aronoff leads a double life that lands him in trouble with the law and drug lords. Yes, Speed Kills. Speed Kills is our movie this week. Our second entry, second and final entry in Trouble Timber, our tribute to the always overacting John Travolta. This film, Speed Kills, marks the directorial debut of Jody Scurfield, screenplay written by David Aaron Cohen and John Loisenhop, based on the nonfiction book of the same title by Arthur J. Harris. Yeah, this really terrible John Travolta movie is based on a true story of Ben uh, Donald Aronow. But does John Travolta play Donald Aronow? No, he plays Ben Aronoff. I don't know how this all works. He <laughs> 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 has a different name. Like, who's who for what? I have no idea. Couldn't find it out. 
But Donald Aronow, the real Donald Aronow, again, Ben Aronoff in the movie, designed and built speedboats for wealthy scumbags such as Shah of Iran, Charles Keating, Malcolm Forbes, George H.W. Bush, all of your top figures in organized crime, topical political humor. And Dan will forgive anybody for anything, and these four are not to be forgiven. No! And I love forgiving people for things. Uh, Aronow's 1987 murder went unsolved for nearly a decade um, before somebody finally admitted to it. Travolta plays Aronow slash Aronoff, and the supporting cast includes Catherine Winnick, Jennifer Esposito, Kellen Lutz, Marshmallows, Tom Sizemore, James Remar, uh, Meyer Lansky. Uh, Remar also played Dutch Schultz in The Cotton Club, so he is very slowly working his way through the top figures uh of organized crime his um bugsy siegel in 30 years is going to be <laughs> weird, really weird uh and matthew modine plays george hw bush <laughs> he, plays, he plays george w bush as george hw bush what he's even doing in this movie i, I don't know uh, it's, it's we'll get to it cinematographer andre sakula does that name sound familiar? Yeah, he also lends John Travolta in a little film called Wait For It, Wait For It. Building suspense went too far now, Pulp Fiction. So, mm. in other words, times are tough all over. <laughs> the film uh, did not play in North American theaters. It did not play in European theaters. It did open August 15, 2019. This is the only thing I could find in Bolivia. <laughs> and it, it, it did poorly. <laughs> it did not do well. Ovid did 12th place at the box office. Uh, zero on Rotten Tomatoes, 16 reviews, zero again, zero. Audience score of 30. Simon Abrams of RogerEber.com says, quote, The film's Gerber bland back half is plenty bad, but the first half of Speed Kills features some of the year's worst filmmaking. Corky. Yes, sir. When I hear words like year's worst filmmaking, I, I'm, I'm drawn towards another uh, John Travolta true crime film, little movie we reviewed on the show called gaudy sure to me this is like gaudy light this is gaudy jr i'm not really sure what this gaudy thing is you're talking about because I, <laughs> okay thank my God. work wow. with lacuna inc has really been helpful <laughs> and the doctors are helping me um this thing is exactly what i compared it to was gaudy because it is a yeah. true crime it's a tr uh, based on a true story it speeds through somebody's life you just get several chirons that let you know where you are at any given time but you're right, it's gaudy light because gaudy goes so far overboard, it's almost transcendent with the ridiculousness. Yeah. The other thing that this does that gaudy also did was uses a lot of period era actual footage yeah. to also yeah. flesh out the movie. Not as much as gaudy, like I said. No, gaudy goes my overboard. God, you couldn't possibly. It, it's, it's just, it's gaudy with a little bit more focus because it's really, gaudy yeah. is just all over the fucking place, yeah. right? Like it, it just tries to introduce every single person. This really does focus on one character, has a little bit more of an attention span, but it really is that same kind of flavorless, pointless. It's almost to me worse because you spend the entire movie with Travolta, yet at the end you still don't There's have, nothing have there. any idea of real motivations, of caring about what happens, and yet he's in almost every scene. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny when when I put these two movies together for Travol Timber, I didn't think there was any connection between them. But the more that I kind of watch them, there is that same connection because with Russ Richards and Lucky Numbers, 
for all of his scheming and for all of all of his personality ticks and everything that's going on there's still never any idea of why does he even bother with any of this stuff how does he even know tim fucking wrong right, for god's right, sake right. like how, like his motivation is hazy throughout and he, it's the same thing with ben Aronoff. what's really driving ben Aronoff? i don't know just drive just drive like that's it there's nothing really to him whatsoever and yet it, it is just this absolutely mind numbing like bullet point recounting of events uh and much like Gotti, kind of turns him into a hero for i can't imagine why except that just he's the main character in the movie and it just has to do that um because he really seems like quite a quite a scumbag like they give him a little mafia background but i don't know that that's true with the guys the guy's real life he seems like he's just somebody who it's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll sell drugs, I'll, I'll run drugs, that's fine. But in this, they make it seem like, like to make him likable, he's trying to escape a past he just can't escape. Uh, exactly, right, yeah, he's reluctantly tied to the mob instead of like... Uh, sure, pay me, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> right, a thrill seeker. Yeah. Sounds good. Money for me, great, love it. Uh, yeah, so, and also I should just say that this is 2018, uh, like I said, and Travolta's face is really upsetting to look at. It is. He's grimacing, and you can't tell if he's grimacing as an actor choice or because his face just is stuck as a grimace. There's also a scene where he gets beat up and has to get back up, and you don't know <laughs> if he's selling the beat down or if this or if is just like, a, is it that hard for you to get up? A 70-year-old man tell. getting up, and he doesn't want his this feels to break free. way more authentic than anything else you've done this <laughs> entire film. Everything oh. else feels like cheap actor's tricks. But the, okay. the one thing I will say that makes this a unique Trivial Timber film for me, this is the one time I think I can say that he's sleepwalking through about half this movie. Travolta, he really is. Travolta yeah. usually gives you a, more than what you want. But he, he's going to give it to you. He's now very firmly in his straight to VOD phase. He is looking for a check wherever you can find it. Highest bidder. Let's get into it. Speed kills. When do we? Where do we start? Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore. Speaking of faces, you don't want to look at. Uh, he enters a boat store and he asks for Ben Aronoff. Where's Ben Aronoff? And I feel like Sizemore walking up to two women behaving like a creep and making them extremely uncomfortable is probably how a lot of his real life encounters go. <laughs> yes. So this felt intensely authentic so much more than anything else in this movie like he, there's two women and instantly they're like i don't like being around you yeah. <laughs> like i feel <laughs> i feel uncomfortable and you're like wow yeah 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 i get that right from this first opening we get to a glimpse of how fucking cheap and shitty this movie looks they're filming in some just empty building that they've jammed a big boat in there just to take up space <laughs> So after some kvetching by uh, Tom Sizemore, Ben Aronoff slash Travolta comes out. Sizemore says, I'd do anything for my boss. Anything and everything. And Travolta says, you tell your boss, I'm done. Uh, ben gets into his car, and as he's driving away, like uh, Sizemore is like staring at him, but he gets flagged down by another car on his way, and the guy shouts for Ben, leans out the window, kaboosh, shot in the head, Bam, fade to black, title, speed kills. Oh, so, shit. This is how the movie opens. Tom Sizemore comes into a boat store and then menaces Tom, John Travolta, leaves. And I thought, all right, well, that'll make sense later. I'll understand who that person is, why he's there, who his boss is, what he's talking about. Okay, I'll wait, movie. 
<laughs> Guess what? Movie does right. not deliver on that promise. Nope. That's just it's just <laughs> him getting murdered. It's the end of the fucking movie. Uh, but uh, Kaboosh, he's dead, title, speed kills, and we go 25 years earlier, New Jersey, 1962. Again, this is one of those fucking movies, yes. <laughs> right? Like, it just starts with the ending, and that is like 30 years earlier, um, and we get this aerial view of Travolta's head, which is just something you don't want to see. It's just even with the aesthetics and with what they can do today with the CGI don't you just don't want to see it you don't even want to imagine what the people on the set had to look at what was happening on the head who had to touch his head it's upsetting <laughs> no one should have to deal with his head and this is another one of those times like Gotti, where travolta you know just like Gotti, travolta thought i look more like the 40 year old ben aronoff than the 70 year old <laughs> ben oh yeah aronoff. right i need makeup to look like a shambling old uh, old man um and the narration says because, again, we're idiots. Yeah, how would we know? I'm Ben Aronoff. Really? <laughs> and then he says, time to start over. Wait, what? Hang on. It, what? So he tells his wife they're moving to Miami after they move to Miami? Uh-huh. He goes and has a talk with her. Like, it started. Wait, wasn't this New Jersey 1962? <laughs> what was the point of being in New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> this movie is already so fucking dumb. I, this is the where it does different from lucky numbers because with lucky numbers i said that movie could really stand like two or three convolutions anywhere it's yeah. just so like literal it's idiot oh my god the convo like it's just like it's here it's there it's here it's there it's bullet point bullet point it's just it's all over the place so john travolta's wife in this movie is played by jennifer esposito yeah uh, john travolta who was born in 1954 is in this movie married to a woman born in 1973 and you think, okay, you know, he's a, a gangster, he's a mover. Maybe that's his character. Maybe that guy just dates younger women, which is fully evidenced by the next scene when he hits on a waitress played by an actress born in 1989. Absolutely. And they yeah. all just have it for him. Um, but yeah, basically we get the idea that he's some sort of developer. He, he was like a developer. He built shopping centers and With things. But he ties. has ties to the mob. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And that's how he was able to get things he was able to get things done so fast that like that's his thing, but it's like, well, yeah, of course, because the cement guys and whoever were all trying to fuck him up. We get it, bud. We get it. Wink, wink. He's called the king of construction. Um, some guy comes down who really like does not really come back, which is just this fucking movie all over. I think they say his name's Julius, but he's the right hand man of Meyer Lansky, uh, who was the big deal down in Florida at this time. Uh, and the guy asks Ben, "What are your plans?" And Ben says. Like usual, to win. And that's Ben's whole thing. I guess. I guess. That's as close as we get. So we get this like stock Miami montage, like right out of like Bad Boys 2, including like slow mo shots of bikini butts. <laughs> Just like, what? And it, like, where the fuck are these bikini butts? We never come back to the bikini butts, which is upsetting. But we get the stock Miami montage, and then we meet Shelly. Shelly, who is just your kind of classic plot functionary. He's uh -huh. a servant to the plot. He, he is the protagonist's guy who explains things to him. He just shows up whenever the movie needs a plot dump or whenever there needs to be some kind of come to Jesus moment for Ben. Like or some kind of like, clock. hey, Ben, yep. you've hit rock bottom. Or, hey, Ben, in like this amount of time, something's going to happen. Or, hey, Ben, this just happened and that and the other thing. So that's Shelly. That's his whole function. He's terrible. He's the worst. Um, 
Speedboats. Quirky. Speedboats. What? Oh, boy. I'm looking at speedboats. I have an idea. So, yeah, Ben meets with... I mean, because this movie... This movie loves to, like, double up <laughs> on, like, advancing plot threads and advancing character things, right? Uh-huh. They're always like, okay, there's a party, but, like, th- three things need to happen. Like, a completely unrelated thing needs to happen in this party. So, right here, Ben is meeting the lawyer, the one lawyer, because remember, it's a movie, so you have one fucking lawyer if you're a rich person. That's mm-hmm. how that works, absolutely, for your whole life, definitely. So he meets this guy who will run throughout his entire life, and yet at the same time, he also has this amazing epiphany that, like, wait a minute, people are really into speedboats here in southern Florida. He goes out to see speedboats one day, meets a guy, I think his name is Conky. I have no, really? Is it? Because I'm... It's crazy the, their relationship. Their no, relationship Conky, is Conky hilarious. is the name of Bubbles' uh, ventriloquist dummy on Trailer Park Boys. But it's, <laughs> it's something like that. I mean, you, he watches the boat go and he gets on it. And yeah. Ben Aronoff, like of the Vroom Vrooms. Oh boy! Well, it's just because it's just crazy because like Ben Aronoff basically sees this guy beat someone in a in a sort of impromptu motor uh, motorboat race, right? Yeah, and then all of a sudden he's like. <laughs> he like follows this guy and he's like, Oh wow, I'm gonna walk onto your boat. And this guy's like, Hey, look at my boat. And he's like, What kind of you got it? What kind of engine you got? And the next thing you know, he's like, Ben is driving this guy's boat. Yes. And then it's all of a sudden it's just like, Okay, these guys are just like racing partners for life. And we never learn anything Nothing. more about this guy. We, and he comes back over and over and over again because they're racing partners and Ben wins a lot of races. Well, it's like the guys are racing. They're, they're two-man tandems in boats, and they're dressed like fucking contestants on Double Dare because they're <laughs> wearing the same color costumes. And it's like it's like dot races. It's like watching the dot the color dots. But it's just like he walks on this guy's boat, and then suddenly he's like captain of the boat, and this yeah. guy whose boat it is is just like his first mate. He's just fucking going to get on this fucking ride. So they, they're, they're going to race now. They just all of a sudden are That's racing what he does partners. now. You, like get, said, you get like five minutes of just solid boat shots. Yeah. And Ben, of course, sneers. Sneers at the, quote, rich fat cats with their toys. I'm like, are you not that? Isn't <laughs> like, that you? Are you? I think this is where I audibly groaned because it's just a lot of them bouncing on waves and then 80-yard lines of them going, ha <laughs> yes, ha, yeah, I love this shit. Oh, yeah. Really bad, and they get worse as the movie goes on, which is amazing when you think about it. Um, but yeah, no, Ben's from Brooklyn College, so he's not a rich fat cat, even though he's rich and a fat cat. <laughs> yeah, even though the next scene is a bunch of hundred uh, money being stacked on a desk <laughs> for him to buy a boat <laughs> warehouse. Oh, yeah. So the, the uh, during this race, the the... the motor like crashes yeah um but ben is still like ecstatic he says this is fantastic and he's like okay i like boats that automatically makes him rich somehow it's not clear but uh, the next thing you know it's just a wealth montage and there's all this like the limit there's fake uh interview footage mixed in with real archival footage and these like we said, really poorly shot boat race. And none sequences. of the boats from the archival footage look like the boats they're in in the movie. No, exactly. There's right? about a like 60, 70 year technology difference. <laughs> so yeah, Ben and his unnamed partner are winning races. Naki, Ben's- that's his name, Naki. Naki, okay. 
So Ben just has like a huge smile on his face during these uh, races. He's he's just loving like the speed and and how uh, <laughs> the races have an announcer to them, which is <laughs> at the beginning you don't see this guy, you just hear that it's being announced, and then later on you find out these are like underground street or not street but like ocean races. <laughs> Who's that being announced to? Who, right. where, nobody watches these things. They just get the reports later. <laughs> Why is there a live broadcast? Uh, so, yeah, Ben is uh, – there's a whole montage. Ben's winning races, but he's celebrating the win with another woman, not mm-hmm. not Jennifer Esposito. Even though just – I mean, come on. You're doing all right. Yeah, exactly. We all have eyes, right? Next scene is like a big house party. There's also like this weird scene because we, we're not really given any context where we just for like three seconds the see – a teenager yes. and a younger a younger teenager or preteen, hard to tell. And this kid is like moving on her yes. in a way where you're like, what the fuck? I, for uh, in my notes, I actually wrote down, oh, was that Ben Aronoff's daughter? Because previously we Thought saw so. his daughter as a child. But that's how fucking bad this fucking movie is. And I'm like, when and where the fuck are we? It's just like, it's. This scene is so fucking weird. It felt like sleepaway camp that it felt like it was just someone's <laughs> remembrance of like what happens at a bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah right. that someone sneaks away, makes out with a girl that, you know, someone they don't see often. Um, but during this party, of course, Meyer Lansky, visits <laughs> because again, this movie loves to just double up on its <laughs> on plot development. So Meyer Lansky just shows up out of the blue and basically says like, hey, you're winning races. You're selling boats, boats, money whatever give me money and ben kind of refuses so this is like ben's sort of his big struggle i mean not donald era now necessarily but ben Aronoff in this movie his struggle is that he is reluctantly tied to the mob he doesn't want to be tied to the mob he wants to go off and innovate uh meyer lansky's played by uh, the great james ramar yeah like i said this movie has a, like a strong jewish vibe to it but you got travolta James Ramar and uh, what's his name? Matt uh, Kellen Luntz, all playing Jewish characters. Uh, Kellen Luntz is like from fucking North Dakota. So after this house party, which I thought maybe several years had gone by between what we saw previously in this party, actually several years do go by after this party. There's like a big race winning montage. That's right. That spans yeah. several years. And it just, we see like listed all of the races that Ben won with his boat, the cigarette. So we flip to Monaco. We're just in Monaco now. Yep. And there's another extramarital hottie on Ben's uh, lap. And who shows up? But Shelly the lawyer. Shelly the cock blocking lawyer. This guy always shows up when Ben's got a girl on his arm. Ben, uh, your business is failing. Your family hates you. I, it's I'm funny running everything. It's like, okay. Felt like this didn't need a full trip to Monaco. I mean, I get that we're in like the pre-sort of internet era here. No, you know, he's can't just telegrams much cheaper, or whatever. But like, really, yeah. Basically, it's like your business is total shit. Your family is falling apart. Blah 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 blah. And then he just leaves and is like, "I'll see you back in Florida." <laughs> Travolta also then adds a ticking clock. He's like, "I'm gonna win that boat race next month." It's like, what? Now this movie's about a fucking boat race, yeah, right? Uh, he's gonna beat. He's gonna beat the rich kids from the uh, rich kid camp at the regatta. <laughs> ben, however, dumping a little cold water on that says, as you alluded in the beginning. But while I was winning championships, I was losing something far more important 
freeze frame. Siren sound. This movie. That's how fucking lazy this movie is. Just had a scene where someone tells him that he's ignoring his family. And actually says like, your son just got into college. I thought you should know. Slows his door and makes the, what, 6,000 mile trip back to (laughs) America. Like, what the fuck? We have a scene there. He tells him his family hates him. And he's ignoring his family. He narrates that he's ignoring his family. Then the next scene is an example of it. This movie just repeats that shit in three different ways. If they could have had archival footage of Don Aronow actually walking away from his children, <laughs> they would have used it. It is like, it, it, it's Mr. Show. I, I thought of yeah. Mr. Show just because Mr. Show is so good at parroting like cliches. Yep. Um, just the way that it goes like freeze frame, siren sound. And we forgot to mention from the party earlier that this is the kid who, uh, during the party, is throwing a football around. Want to have a catch, Dad? Come on, Dad. Have a catch. You're the best football player in the whole world, Dad. And, of course, that's the kid who gets in the car exit. Well, it's just like freeze frame. And then you're like, siren sound coming in. Like, oh, my God. Oh, (laughs) wow. But, yeah. So his son, football son, was in a car accident. No one has aged a day. Their hair is not changed. Like, nothing's changed. That's not how you humans work. Like in Gotti, when they try to age Junior Gotti by just putting some white wings on his hair, and they had a bunch of kids hug him that looked like his brothers and sisters. Uh, <laughs> they didn't even go that far with this. But yeah. Ben, this kid This kid has acne, and he's, he's playing like a 28-year-old. Ben... <laughs> comes to uh, his son's bed in the hospital. He gives a whole kind of speech and he says, Dad's back. And this is like, again, doubling up on the plot developments. So after this whole emotional moment with the kid who's in the coma right now, he just gets up, he walks into the hall and the wife walks up with their other two kids, upbraids him for being a jerk and then leaves and is not seen again for walks, the rest of the movie. Walks the fuck out of the movie. Goodbye. Goodbye. She it's always really nice when things guy. converge like that. <laughs> it's so fucking lazy. So this starts this whole sequence, this like my left foot sequence with the son. Oh, He's Jesus. in the wheelchair and, you know, dad comes home and is like, hey, son, let's go to the racetrack. And the kid's just like, I'm a bitter. I'm bitter. And it finally builds to, I hate you, dad. And that's like the breakthrough. And he's like, all right, cool. Let's go to the track. So they go to the track. But before they go to the track, the way they bond is the son goes, just out of nowhere, he goes, you're really fucking crazy. You know that? <laughs> oh, I know. Now let's go to the track. Let's I go mean, to the track. So they do go, go sit to on the, the track. Bed. They just go to the track. And they win. He wins at the track. And afterwards, they're talking. And he's like, there's this really long scene where he's like, hey, do you want to be a stable owner? <laughs> this comes out of nowhere. Like, you want to be a stable owner? Here, I I have money. I can give you money. I can. The start kid's you like, in this I know business. nothing about horses. He's like, I what? What? I we just came to the track. It's like, what? Now I'm a stable owner. It's like, but you know, here, have the money, have the money, and then and their bit of narration comes. This is actually the second time some narration comes in, and he says he took that money and ran. <laughs> Done with that. Also, <laughs> never comes back. <laughs> what? <laughs> In retrospect, why was any of that even in the movie? It did not. That kid what? never comes back. His son never comes back. 
the, the, no, no, like lamenting that he has no relationship with his family never right. comes back until the very end where the movie does like a whole death sequence where he remembers all of these important moments in his life and very briefly remembers his son throwing a football so when he said he took the money and ran did you like i'm sitting there I'm like so did he like just take off or did he fucking like do well like he took that money and ran or he just it. was like nope took the money and became a junkie <laughs> yeah, i don't know <laughs> right like it's just it's so fucked up so ben now has this like dealing with these drug runners yeah, this is where the drug, this movie now becomes a drug running movie. It finally comes into that. And DEA agent Lopez, um, who, if you remember from uh, Q the Winged Serpent, Richard Roundtree and David Carradine were the two cops, like the two uh, detectives. Like they were cops, but they were all fodder. There were only two detectives in all of New York City to solve all of the crime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the Here DEA there's agent. one DEA agent to solve every fucking crime in Miami. Yes, <laughs> this guy is like, he comes to to Ben and ask him some questions. This is D agent Lopez and ask him some questions. Clearly, clearly thinks that yes. Ben is involved in drugs. And then we get a Chiron that says three years later, three years, <laughs> three years. I'm, I'm going to say though, Ben goes on and on about how all these speedboats are very sexy speedboats. Right. That DEA agent was a very sexy DEA agent. He was that, pretty hot. He was, was in some 70s it. clothes, and he was every bit in those clothes. I they were feel, hugging uh, his ass. really filled out the uniform, so to speak. Um, so this is finally where we meet Kellen Lutz. He is Meyer Lansky's nephew. Yes. And he idolized Ben. And why did he idolize Ben? Because Ben Aronoff has everything. That's what he but says. That's his he's quote. He's openly hostile to him from like, I know. He jump. hates Ben Aronoff, right? Like, as soon as he comes out. He, he idolized him as a kid, but eight years later was like, I hate this guy. He's a, He sucks. We're introduced to him now as the adult guy, but he, he gets out. There's paparazzi at his gate for some reason. He gets out and just says, get the name right. I'm Robbie fucking Reamer. Gets back in the car, drives up. Again, this is all kind of based on real incidents. Meyer Lansky is obviously a real person. So he tried to extradite himself to Israel. Uh, was rejected by Israel and was forced to return to Miami. So that's at this point in the life. That's why there's uh, media outside the door. That's why everybody's coming to, quote unquote, pay respects. Um, and Robbie Reamer, again, is Meyer Lansky's nephew or grandnephew or whatever. But Robbie Reamer, Robbie, pardon me, Robbie fucking Reamer, is also using go fast boats to move some drugs. So he goes out in the middle of the sea with his boats. He get some drugs, and then as he's coming back to land, he's chased by all these DEA boats. There's a big shootout. He throws his accomplice overboard after he gets shot, and I guess gets away, because the chase just stops. It just ends. That it just, just ends, ends, and Jay Walter Weatherman comes out and says, and that's why you always leave a note. <laughs> I guess he gets away, because then all of a sudden, there here he is with Ben, and he's like, hey, Ben, fix my boat. You know why he needs his boat fixed? I'm Robbie fucking Reamer. You know why he needs his boat fixed? Because there's stickers of bullet holes on there. This movie is so fucking cheap. There's (laughs) stickers of bullet (laughs) holes. Right. Yeah. So he's like, fix my boat. He's like, I don't make those. I don't make those kind of repairs. Bullet hole repairs. Um, And Ben like pushes him into the water. And then that scene just ends. It's like, what? You sure? I was stunned. Really? (laughs) I was stunned that this guy's a professional actor. This guy acts like a professional wrestler. 
He's every, quite terrible. He's every really scene. bad. He's really bad in this movie. And he's trying to do a, a, a New York accent, I think. Yeah. It's bad. He's some eye candy, but it's bad. Well, he loves his marshmallows, <laughs> which I have been warming in the pockets of my Who dungarees. Who was he in Twilight? In the first Twilight film, he was one of the other Twilights. The I don't know. Like one of the other I Twilights? <laughs> he Twilighted the good Twilight. He, he Twilighted the good Twilights, but then he got Twilighted. So that's okay. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might have to watch all the Twilight Listen, Shelly again, the cock blocking lawyer, because Ben is getting his freak on with yet another like supermodel type yeah. woman who is a eighth of his age. I have, n- I mean, women want him, and the men want to be the women who want him. But Shelly, the lawyer, cock blocks him again and is like, "Hey, do a thing." I can't remember what it was, but it was something. Um, but they go out like clubbing, and Ben Aronoff immediately becomes fixated on this blonde woman who is on the arm of King Hussein of Jordan. But I love this scene, Dan, because by the time they make their way out to the dance floor, it's just one of those every 10, 15 years, you get an iconic Travolta dance scene. You get yeah. Saturday Night Fever, Grease, uh, Look Who's Talking, Pulp Fiction. And, and not this. Just, this. <laughs> this, is, this is another in one of those lines of iconic Travolta dancing. This is the worst shot dancing I've ever seen. Well, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like this dance floor seduction scene where they're each dancing kind of with their own partner, but then like they sort of gravitate towards each other. The music sort changes of- to uh, the soundtrack, not the actual diegetic music. <laughs> It's fucking awful. It goes on so long. Like too. all good dance scenes, it's shot from shoulders up. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to see what people's lights are doing in a dance room. Meyer Lansky is now using Ben to move drugs and to move money, too, which, of course, uh, Ben's like, I hate that. I don't want that. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, uh, but Ben, of course, because he's just a regular guy, still goes to meet. I'm not sure if he's still married or not, but he goes to meet Emily. <laughs> It was a, like again. She's like a supermodel. It's a, an equestrian, so she's just rich. And she's beautiful. privileged. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, what, like this is supposed to like humanize them. Like, fuck you. Uh, and she actually says the line because this movie is so poorly written, it's almost comical. You're nothing if not persistent, Ben Aronoff. Thank you for reminding me what the lead character's name is. Like, what? <laughs> like, how is that? How anyone talks to anyone? What? His response to that is, examine a man's faults, you find his virtues. What? What the fuck does that, what does that mean in this in this context? So Chiron, pre-race Miami to Nassau championship. We all know what this means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all live in Nassau? What? No? What? I don't, <laughs> what the fuck is this? And that is co-pilot Jockey or Shocky or Schmocky or whatever his name is. Conky. He's, he's just back. <laughs> Yeah. He's just like, I'm still just like, I'm with who you, are Ben you? Aronoff. Who is your old deal? But as Ben Aronoff is is preparing to race, they have this amazing stare off with Robbie Reamer that is like the LOL like moment of this movie because like <laughs> Robbie he's just Reamer standing over on like, some rocks. He's like oh. on rocks by crashing waves. And like turns around and like glares at it's at piss raining down, right? And the whole reason he would have got out on those rocks in that piss rain on it the ocean is to go stare at so Ben Aronoff. So uncomfortably sexual. Like he is like one of the rapists from the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at him like he's Tim Robbins, like, all right. <laughs> all right. 
Uh, so Emily, remember Emily, the supermodel that Ben is maybe cheating on his wife with? This is humanizes him. Um, arrives with Shelly, the lawyer, to explain things. And they're, they arrive like in the middle of this huge rainstorm. Uh, and immediately we start the race. And this is, I mean, we talked, some- the earlier scenes were shot bad, but like these scenes with like the crashing CGI waves, I mean, this is early 2000s CGI. There was a TV movie in the late 90s uh, with John Voight called <laughs> Noah. And it, and it chronicled <laughs> Noah going across the flood. That's what this CGI looked like. Yeah. But yeah. worse. There's even one moment that really reminded me of one of probably the worst CGI moment we've ever chronicled in the history of this podcast. Really? Which is the ultraviolet buffering moment. Yes. Because yes. they go over like these gig- where they skip over the tops of these gigantic waves and the movie does appear to be buffering for like a moment. <laughs> like it just can't like hang on. Whoa. We're running Windows 98 here. All right. We don't we cannot we cannot Load this. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, yeah, it's absolutely uh, horrible. So, But there's like a big crash. So he's lost at sea, right? Ben Aronoff's lost at sea. Oh, my God. Um, but no, he's not lost at sea. He shows up and he's fine. And he won the race somehow. I don't why, get how why that happened. Why do movies happened. do that? Why do movies do that? Why do movies give you someone you know lives to a certain point and then try to make a suspenseful moment out of their death? <laughs> <laughs> it's so half-hearted too i i this is where i wrote jesus fuck i hate every scene with this emily character in it emily because really she is just she, she's met this guy for 10 15 minutes at her yeah. stables danced in the worst dance of all time with him is dating king hussein of jordan yeah and yet she is just overcome with joy that he's lived uh robbie reamer here's the news that ben aronoff lived and that won the race again i don't know how he won the race i don't know how this happened he just did fine last we saw he was pretty much dead but okay uh but robbie just freaks out smashes the mirror and ben tenderly sweetly romantically thoughtfully bangs this friend's is the grossest. He plows his friend's girlfriend again, <laughs> there's a, tenderly. So there's tenderly. a funny scene right before this where Robbie Reamer takes off his shirt and he's all bruised up and it doesn't show his face yet. And I was hoping that they were then going to cut to like Travolta's face. Like, <laughs> like Mr. Travolta's body double. Was just <laughs> right. Just his CGI head just floating on there. <laughs> um, but yes, he, he uh, very romantically screws his friend's girlfriend while his wife is of course at home watching the kids Ben starts moving his money around you know he's like oh shit what's happening i better put some money in here and put some over the money in here so he's still, he's he's laundering his money all over the place my this the meyer lansky does scene this is how fucking awful this is you mean so meyer lansky <laughs> meyer lansky sees a speech on tv of ronald reagan that pertains directly to him as basically like we're gonna knock out the mob we're gonna knock out the mob here in america and he turns off the tv and makes a motion of like bah walks outside (laughs) coughs and dies (laughs) and then it goes straight to of course a tv news report about meyer lansky's death it's just like it it this it mm. did we talk about how ben and emily have a kid now 
get there yet. Yeah, they're they're at home <laughs> with their fucking three year old. And then we meet for eleven seconds George H. W. Bush, former president George H. W. Bush, played by Matthew Modine for some reason. He is in the film for like Oh seriously ten to fifteen seconds. He was there for an afternoon, if that. They get on the boat. Bush is like, wow, we're going fast. End of scene. End of scene. And I was like, okay, well, he'll come back at some point, right? Eh, wrong. No, that's it. Cut. Did Matthew Modine, you're done. And I swear he's doing, a, he's doing a George W. Bush impersonation. He's doing Will Ferrell as George W. Bush as George Herbert Walker. Just <laughs> strategery. Sorry, you're fine. Ah. <laughs> uh, Remember D.A. Agent Lopez? He's like the one D.A. Agent Lopez. He's really starting to put it together, you guys. He's really starting to figure it out. But who's at the top of the list right now? Because Meyer Lansing's dead, remember? Well, my God, it's Robbie fucking Reamer. I mean, this is how it works. You know what I mean? This is just sad. And then we have a scene where Robbie Reamer forces a sit down (laughs) with, with Ben and Al Grossman and Ed Reamer. But you would not know that that was Al Grossman and Ed Reamer. Because they don't fucking say their names. They don't introduce those characters. <laughs> I only knew it because it was on Amazon Prime and they have the little thing that tells you, you who everybody thing is where it tells in, you the in the scene. Absolutely. Yeah, Reamer comes to Ben. So uh, Ben gets like a big order from the U.S. government. It seems that he simultaneously has an order from the military, but he also has an order from the U.S. Olympic Committee. I didn't, I didn't know anything about that. Once Matthew Modine came on and said Blue Thunder, now this whole movie's about the Blue Thunder boats. Everyone talks about Blue Thunder all of a sudden. So Reamer comes in and is like, sign over Blue Thunder. And you're, you're marshmallows. So, um, <laughs> but he's like, no. So the thugs are like, boom, beat Ben. And this is where like Travolta struggles to get to his feet. And you're like, wow, that is either great acting or you have a hard time getting to your feet. He's just trying to hide his, <laughs> his girdle. <laughs> But yeah, the thugs beat Ben. He signs. Yeah, he signs it. And then this—it's it, not Reamer, but this thug who is French. No, that's that's Jules. That's the same guy from the beginning. Is he French though? The the actor maybe. I thought he was Israeli. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Seems a little French to me. But uh, yeah, so this guy says, "Your property, Ben. You always were." So then again, that's the that's the main kind of if there's any sort of like central struggle to this movie, and I'm not sure there is, it's <laughs> that. That Ben struggling against the mob, owning him and wanting to be independent of the mob. But turns out Ben just signing over a very successful company to the mob raises red flags. Weird, right? <laughs> Almost like the mob didn't think that out. (laughs) The the company whose boats keep getting pulled over by DEA agents. (laughs) So it didn't work out. So then the mom's like, hey, Ben, buy all of this stuff back. Take it all back. Like, Take all of the stuff that we forced you to sell back. Uh, And Ben's like, yeah, I'll take it back, but you're not going to get it back from me. But basically the mob wants to launder money through Ben to to, to hide it. Which they were doing successfully until they 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 forced him to not. (laughs) So he basically tells them to fuck off and heads home. But in the next scene, the the French thug, or, Jules or Bregman, the Israeli thug, name. Jules, is in his uh, house with a gun I and a warning. I just realized that's a fucking Pulp Fiction thing. Don't fucking jimmy me, Jules. And it's, <laughs> it's Travolta. So, yeah, this guy's in his house with his family, his kids. And, yeah, because he has a kid. With yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but this guy is just like, hey, Ben, watch your step. Ethan leaves. And that's it. Like, it's so fucking I, I, I just wrote, I don't know what's happening. Why is he there? And then is, is this the part where the wife has to drive yes. with the kid? So she freaks out. This is made so poorly. I thought the gunman was in the car with her making her drive somewhere. That's how bad this is. Yeah, it's cut so poorly. But basically, she freaks out because she's like, what the fuck I do with a gun? Just came in my house. Because he hasn't been really honest with her about yeah. where his, she just thinks he's a rich boating tycoon or whatever and not not necessarily tied to the mom. Uh, but she freaks out and Ben's like, okay, you got to go. You got to get the hell out of here. So she takes off. Then the French Israeli guy follows her. But then Ben follows them. And as they're following her and about to crash into her, Ben somehow, I mean, I don't know how he, Kobayashi marooned the fuck out of this thing, but he crashes into them and kills them with his car and he's fine. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know. You but, know why, ben, uh, Dan? Because speed kills. Because he's Ben fucking Aronoff. Because he's kills. Ben fucking Aronoff. Um, but what's hilarious of this scene is the like, the, you had talked about how like they they were budgeted for whatever Travolta wanted, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Travolta said, "I need X amount of million dollars to be in your movie," and they were like, "Okay, well, that's there you go." But they were not budgeted for a lot of other things, including like you know makeup and hair and stuff like that. And they certainly were not going to pay for a speaking part for Ben Aronoff's illegitimate son because <laughs> they just got some blonde kid with the blankest expression. That has ever happened on any person's face to be this kid <laughs> and not say a fucking word while they are being stalked by French Israeli. <laughs> he's like the third. He's like the second Bobby Draper in Mad Men. He's just, oh, he's yeah. just there to be seen and not heard. So yeah, Ben is able to kill these guys before they can kill Emily and the kid. But now, of course, Ben is like, "Oh shit!" You know, I just killed some highly connected mob dudes um but emily gets away he calls emily and basically fills her in she wants to fight i want to be with you and fight by your side but he says no 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 because i'm noble really on i mean i highly this guy doubt. ran away from his family he ran away from jersey why doesn't he just pick up and run again it's it's the same as in Gotti because like for some reason they decided like we really need to make Gotti and Gotti's shitbag son seem like really good people yeah, I guess just because they're the main characters, or because like they are the ones who are licensing I, this I, movie. I mean, I can't imagine like why Ben is such a turd, fucking piece of shit. Like yeah. he's horrible. He's a monster. That guy, <laughs> that, that guy Don Aronow is a really had led a really interesting life. He did some awful things, and he led a. Re- That's more interesting to me it, right? than watching someone who is has some redemption story to it. That's forced. So anyway, he calls Emily. She fills her in. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to fight with you. He's like, no, 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 no. There's now we see the hit that is ordered on Ben. And then we see Tom Sizemore and the shooter driving down. I don't Why is this scene in this movie? I don't know. But it's so funny because the, the actor who plays the shooter, he looks like he looks like I would look if I was walking around Miami. I mean, he's sweating through his sweat. Like, <laughs> And then you find they're out that they're not, they're not in Miami at the time. <laughs> they're like, I'm an I or something. <laughs> and the, the, they're doing this improv and it's just the worst it's, it's no tickets really bad. no tickets no tickets why, why are they i just 
why did we need this? Why did we? Know. Why did we as viewers need this? Especially at this point in the movie, it's it's just baffling. It's again, movies as a, a series of decisions, and why were these decisions made? Baffling. I love Fargo and I love Pulp Fiction, but the worst things those movies did was to give us give filmmakers the idea of interesting hitmen. Right. <laughs> so we're now. Uh, as we will find out on the morning of the the Ben's death, which we saw in the very opening scene of the movie, but we got to see D.H. and Lopez, D.H. Hey. and Lopez, who has been on this case for like five, ten years, and has done nothing. Who has done nothing? He's like this case has advanced to no levels at all. He was briefing people on the on the details of it literally years I don't ago. know if he's but. done nothing Dan cuz one thing he's done is gotten fucking hotter that man it looks good he does not age through the two decades he this movie takes place he fills out a windbreaker you cannot deny it uh, but he asks Ben he says what's your why Ben what's your why that's yeah. this fucking character's journey who gives a fuck no DA agent gives a fuck what anyone's why is he comes over and tells him he's been reading books by a Jewish author it's like what the fuck is this anti-Semitic DEA agent? <laughs> what is your why? Are you are you reading screenwriting books? What I is know. this? Turns out it was like a Alan Dershowitz. Uh, <laughs> um, so Ben goes into work to shower, and then we come back to this very beginning with nope, Tom Sizemore. But, then we, but before that, we get we get the same thing where it does the same thing over and over again. We see the word subpoena being typed out, and mm. then his lawyer says, "You're going to be subpoenaed." It's like we just saw the fucking typewriter. <laughs> say its name so we go back now to the very beginning tom sizemore comes into the boat shop we see the exact same stuff it's play the out exact over and same over scene it keeps going after the shooting we get this scene where it like does this cgi like rack zoom into his iris the iris of his eye and this starts like a little pre-death memory <laughs> sequence and so we see all the scenes from the movie basically right they gotta um, pad this fucker yeah, so like, oh, there's my first wife that I cheated on nonstop, and there's yeah. the kid who took my money and ran <laughs> in his wheelchair. He didn't Just take the money and ran. That's it's an awful not, term for that. Not <laughs> that is like, bad writing. Super insensitive there. There's, there's a sled uh, where his brother <laughs> dies going Remember off a sled his, in Roseblood. His like, automaton child <laughs> that had no personality or couldn't speak. I mean... What a life. What a life he lived. So he just remembers this stuff. And then there's this close-up on the watch. We didn't talk about the watch because I don't I don't understand what that meant. But at some point, he gets a watch. So it's like a three-minute scene of him getting a watch. I don't he like wins a boat race or something. I don't know. I mean, because we're I'm boating and it doesn't explain it. So maybe this is a thing. But he gets a watch. And like there's close-ups of the watch throughout. And it's like, I got my watch. I got my watch. So in this final death scene, we go close-up on the watch and it just ticked. Tick, tick, tick. Oh, Jesus And we Christ. get a God's eye view shot of Ben as he expires on the pavement outside of his boat shop. And he says, I'm Ben Aronoff. I was on top of the world. I loved. I created. I won. It was a hell of a race. News reports about his murder, the end. That's the movie. Speed kills. It might as well have been that meme, the record scratch. Yep. I bet you're wondering how I got into this situation. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Speed kills, Dan. Speed does kill. Quirky, you got any final thoughts before we rate this sucker? 
You know what else? Uh, I said gaudy, but you know what else it reminded me of? There was a movie that uh, Emilio Estevez made about, I don't know, 20 years ago with him and Charlie Sheen where they played the Mitchell brothers, the San Francisco porn impresarios. Well, one of them, they were so coked out. One of them went nuts and shot the other. <laughs> That's a movie with sex, drugs, gun violence, and it happened to be the most boring fucking thing on sure. earth. That's this movie. This movie should be entertaining. This movie should give you some like thrills. They had to name it Speed Kills just because that's an actionable name because it, it's so drearily boring. It just it 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 just sort of lists. We talk about bullet point. It just sort of everything that's exciting just sort of gets listed out. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, yeah. it, it, there's nothing nothing in the scenes, nothing in the relationships really builds to anything. It's just sort of like this happened this happened that happened because of that this happened it's just this recite this reciting of events yeah uh, like god it's a, it's a filmed wikipedia it is it is and it's a really poorly written wikipedia yeah. page as well with a lot of grammatical errors i imagine <laughs> so quirky just to remind everybody of our rating system run of the mill bad film dare next level bad film double dare and a movie we actually like reverse dare what do you give a little movie called Speed Kills. I'm giving this uh, cheap little nothing ass uh, tofu burger. The Double Dare. Uh, Travolta gets sent out with a bad Travolta performance. I'm sad we did this one for this because I, I like wacky Travolta. I like yeah. bananas in your face Travolta. He's barely in this. The scenes where he's celebrating his championship boat races. There's like three other people and these. <laughs> there's supposed to be these big races. That's how cheap this movie is. There's never we more never see anyone in the any crowd. Sh- we only no. see like the, the four or five people on the. There's podium. like a, you know a couple bowling uh, trophies on the stand uh, behind him, <laughs> and they're uh, in slow motion too, just to drag it out as far as we can. Double fucking dare, stay the hell away. Absolutely double dare, and I mean I hated the fanatic too. I mean that's a terrible movie, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, terrible. You know, people I mean, will talk it, about it, that. It, that's a fine line, really, but like I remember uh David Paul just a couple of months ago said he was gonna watch Gotti. And I was like, Don't watch Gotti. It's so boring. Like it's not just that it's bad, it's boring. Like yeah. it, it it's interminable. It's like watch the fanatic. Like the fanatic is egregiously bad. It is like outlandishly bad. It's bad and loud about it. It's not boring. It's really bad, though. This is more of the boring bad of Gotti. Double dare all the way. Don't watch it uh, ever. Here's what I think. And you know that I hate uh, censorship. I love those First Amendment rights. But you know what? You love forgiving people. I love forgiving people. But here's the thing. I'm not going to forgive anyone who made this movie. I want their First Amendment rights taken away. And I want the copy of this movie burned. (laughs) I don't think I'm going overboard there. (laughs) <laughs> all right that's all we have for you on this episode of dare daniel but we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares we're probably getting into christmas movies christmas movies yeah remember last year when we did love actually with our friend from across the pond i mean that seems like a bazillion years ago not even just know, a year right? ago. that's a thing that that should be it's one of those things that really should be a Christmas classic, cherished and listened to every year. I mean, if the real Love Actually, which was not a hit in movie theaters, as we talked about during the episode, can become a Christmas standard for people, then why can't 
our podcast episode, which also nobody listened to and no one cared about, <laughs> why can't that be the kind of thing that people just sit around the fire with their family and listen to every year? Listen, Quirky, I'm not here to tell our listeners what to do. But hey, listeners, do that or uh, else you have 24 hours. Uh, until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic <laughs> movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. And be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky, where can people find you showing off a watch that is symbolic of something mm. in slow motion to a crowd of no one? You can see me wearing the watch uh, as I compete in the Bahamas to Nassau <laughs> regatta. Uh, Super going, important regatta. Yeah, the the one everybody knows about because you, you know the, the big Earth. regatta. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'll be wearing it there, um, chopping through some waters, man, with my buddy Conky. Conky, how's Conky doing? What's Conky doing? How? Why? And which I only is see him every eight years, where we sure. meet up on the beach. He just stands there and waits for me and to come back. Just you know what? It's a thing where you don't even need to talk about it. You just get on his boat, and you're the captain. And he's like, "I'm Conky." I just do that thing. Maybe. I point at my eyes. I point. At, I say, "I'm the captain now." <laughs> he's ready. Sounds good for dear Daniel. I'm Daniel Barnes, and I'm Quirky McDonald. Say, there is there no tickets, no tickets. No tickets. No, t- no tickets. <laughs>